everyone. I'm Andrew Jupin. I'm Justin Case. Steven Sadak. And we hate movies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second-to-last summer blockbuster that we've been doing. We really should think about this a little harder. If, if we do this next year, we should really kind of sit down, maybe watch them beforehand. A lot of these movies that we don't remember so well <laughs> before we agree to put it in the schedule, because Deep Impact just fucked us right in the face. Absolutely. Because <laughs> so far, I felt like the movie's that have been reviewed have been pretty good. And so I was pretty excited about Deep Impact. <laughs> Past tense noted. Not in the slightest <laughs> anymore. Sorry, guys. I fell asleep. What are we talking about? I was still thinking about Deep Impact and how fucking boring hey, it Deep is. Deep Impact. I worked today. Okay? <laughs> uh, for those of you who do not remember, Deep Impact was the first of two asteroid-related disaster movies that came out in the summer of 1998. <laughs> uh, this is not the one that everybody still talks about with uh, Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis and the big Transformers director. No, no. Uh, this is the one with Robert Duvall and Mary McCormick and other such action movie stars as Elijah Wood. <laughs> and the exhilarating Taylor <laughs> Maximilian Shell bringing it hard in this movie. <laughs> Mike O'Malley makes an appearance just to keep things interesting. Mike O'Malley <laughs> plays a real rip-roaring, enthralling science teacher at the beginning of this movie. What a head of hair he had. Huh? Yeah, that was, that was the most exciting part of the movie. Was like, oh, to see an unhatted Mike O'Malley. <laughs> <laughs> Not talking about cable service. Yeah. And, <laughs> of course... Morgan Freeman as the President of the United States. You're welcome, Barack. <laughs> a very uh, God-fearing President of the United States. This movie's got a real... Uh, churchy vibe. Yeah, it's a churchy <laughs> vibe, right? Like, I think Kirk Cameron saw Deep Impact and was like, I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was left behind. Yeah, I could right? make a career out of that. Well, because Morgan Freeman makes more fucking speeches in front of a camera oh in this movie God. than any other movie president, right? There could be a movie about presidents making speeches, and there would be less speeches in that movie than Morgan Freeman makes in this movie. But I think that he he talks so much, and what... He, he's lacking is a substance and B <laughs> like he doesn't do that. And like, he doesn't bring in like, and you know, and today the, the first day of the last day of the rest of our lives, we stop and like, he doesn't inspire you at no, all. He just tells you like, well, that didn't work. Like every 25 minutes is me like plan C. <laughs> There's a lot of alternative plans. Uh, so real quick, before we get ahead of ourselves, what this movie is, if you don't remember it, uh, Elijah Wood discovers that there's an asteroid or a comet coming to Earth. Because, wow. And it's the size of a state, like all life-ending comets are. I yeah, think. I feel like if you're going to destroy a planet, if you're a comet and you yeah. want to destroy a planet, you have to be at least the size of a state. And like a, a, a real state, not like Rhode Island. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like a good good size well, state. Because I think Armageddon was the size of Texas. That's another thing that it's bringing like... The, bringing the big. Bringing the big, exactly. <laughs> Armageddon brings the big. Because what do they say in Deep Impact? It's the, the size, size of, of New York. Yeah. Big. Yeah, but from the, north, the, from the north end of Central Park yeah. to somewhere in Soho, I think they yeah, yeah. I don't a, know. The size of Manhattan Island, which isn't that big. Yeah. No, it's... It's a real, uh, it's a real New York centric kind of uh, estimate that Morgan Freeman gives, and the three of us sitting there watching the movie were like, "Okay, we know where those places are, but the rest of the country is not going to necessarily know where Battery Park is." <laughs> right, right, thing. right. This this meteorite is the size of New York City, from Joe's Deli on Forty First 
to that place where you get bagels over down in Little Italy. <laughs> <laughs> I understand also that in for movie for movie audiences that you need to. I mean, I, I don't care if it's Texas or if it's Manhattan. It doesn't really change the stakes of the film, but <laughs> it's fine. No, it does. But, but I understand that they have to put it in terms of what people understand, so they use states. But there's been so many meteors in real life and so many meteors in movies. Can we just like say like, well, it's big for a meteor? Why can't we can't? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why can't we judge the size of a meteor as compared to other meteors? It's an Earth-ending meteor. That's yeah. all you need to know, yeah, right. right? Like, I don't care how big it is, just so long as it's small enough that it's not going to destroy the Earth, or it's going to destroy the Earth. Where would it fit on a map, Morgan Freeman? <laughs> Interesting, you should say that. It's actually about the size of. <laughs> It's, it's, it's no Madagascar, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's also, now that I think about it, just because I don't think anybody was really watching the, the writing of the script, they were like, it's big, it's exactly as big as Manhattan, and it's going to land just about 50 miles east of there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's kind of upsetting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. New York was doomed. <laughs> uh, so as is the case with all these comet asteroid disaster movies, the, it's up to the United States mm-hmm. to shoot some sort of shit at it and blow it up. Well, it's a, it's the exact same plot of Armageddon. They want to go on and they 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 drill in and put a nuke in there, and then it's going to blow it up, and that's the end of it. Right. But hilariously, that happens in the first forty minutes of this two hour plus snooze fest, and it doesn't work. That's what that's what this movie sets up for you. The big action set piece or whatever comes really early on. And just nothing happens. And it, it really lays the groundwork for the well, rest of the movie. Something happens. It just splits them into two. <laughs> yeah, both, I like that they split into two and they're both on the same course. Yeah, like, I would think that if you put like a like a, an A-bomb in the middle of a meteor mm-hmm. and then you blew it up, they, they blow up in perfect order. So like one's going to hit and the second one's going to hit right at the same yeah. like place. Like I feel like if you put a matchbook under the bomb, it would have at least <laughs> shot it off, <laughs> you know, over a mil- thousands of miles. Well, they just don't get it in deep enough. Like it's very much like they're playing Angry Birds in this movie. Like you get the little black bomb bird yeah. and you got to make it drill through the wood panes deep enough so that it'll blow the structure or whatever. Yeah. And they just fuck it up. Hello, America. It is my unhappy duty to report to you that the Messiah has failed. This computer-enhanced radar image from Houston shows how the detonation succeeded, however, did not destroy the comet. There are now two pieces, one six miles wide, the other a mile and a half. Both are still on the path towards Earth. Because, you know, it's just a, it's just an international team of who-gives-a-shit, milk-toast astronauts that oh, can't God. do a damn thing right. Can we get into how fucking boring the astronauts are yet? I've never been so bored in a space setting. Like, you know, for me, I, I really dig, you know, movies in space, astronaut stuff. Like, I'll fucking watch Apollo 13 any day of the goddamn oh, yeah. week. This movie is just... It's like being in science class, but like science class with a bad teacher who just puts old film strips on (laughs) and just doesn't talk to you. Yeah, just doesn't try. Like, how do you bore fucking space exploration? You make this movie. That's how you do it. Not only do you bore it, but you totally botch it. They get they get it in there like and then and then they're like oh well we've been drilling for about thirty five seconds we only have fourteen more seconds before it's exactly. over exactly right and then so the guy's like I'm going down there and he just hops on it I swear <laughs> and I'm not gonna really recommend anybody seeing seeing it but he really just hops on it to get through rock yeah and then yeah. that doesn't work surprise <laughs> yeah it's and like then, trying to get your your car your car hood shut so you're yeah, like yeah. jumping out with your ass. <laughs> yeah. That's something that I don't understand is they had a year's worth of knowledge about this. So here's the thing. The movie starts, uh, Elijah Wood finds out and calls like this guy uh, who's living in an observatory. Oddly enough, book ending from the last uh, full episode, the same actor who uh, burned hobos a lot alive in fuzz plays this guy, <laughs> and he gets his just desserts in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he gets lit up when his Jeep goes off a cliff and just burns horrifically. But right after discovering, like, with actual proof and location that, that it's coming. Then a year passes, a full calendar year. And then then people start finding out, and it's like, in 10 months, this fucking thing's going to happen. That was based in some sort of true true facts, by the way, that I 
that I oh, really? skimmed through. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it would take this long to see it coming. No, or... just just that somebody did make an actual uh, astrological discovery and then died in a car accident. And they couldn't find any of the actual details. Like he was like, <laughs> oh, I've done really? it. I found it. And then he was like, I'll be right over. Slurp. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then ran off the road and lost it all. Damn it. What a kick in the pants. Uh, so, yeah, so that happens, right? And then they just kind of kill all this time. So much time is killed. But so much time is killed so that when they get into space and the astronauts are there, they've got nothing but 26 <laughs> minutes. Uh, yeah. Out of a whole year, 26 minutes to fucking detonate this bomb. It's like, oh, we can't do it because the sun's going to run. Once the sun hits this asteroid, we can't do anything. We'll all go blind. It's going to be gas pockets everywhere. It's going to be a fucking nightmare. Let's get there 45 minutes early. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. Let's just plan ahead a little bit. I went to see the Green Lantern two weeks ago. I got there 45 minutes early <laughs> just because I was afraid of the crowds. I have to fly this Friday. I'm going to be there two hours early. <laughs> but that's just another flub about the way this movie is set up. And again, it's going to happen throughout the majority of this episode, just going back to Armageddon. Because unfortunately, when you're talking about these two movies, Armageddon is a superior film in every sense of the word. There it is. So mm -hmm. in Armageddon, you've got like these rough and tumble rascals that are made into astronauts, you know, they've party all, animals. They've all got nicknames. You know which one is which, as opposed to just fucking very boring, boring astronauts. I can't tell you Blair Underwood's name from Mary McCormick's name in this movie. Nope. That's how fucking blank nobodies they are. Yeah. And Robert Duvall's just there being like the old crotchety you need me, I'm the best pilot NASA's ever had bullshit which is in fucking all of these things, it's right? A, it's a Space Cowboys deal. Yeah, but then it's you... Playing Spurgeon Tanner, by the way. <laughs> His name is what? Robert Duvall's character's name is Spurgeon Tanner? Spurgeon Tanner. That is that's a fake name. That's the, yeah. The Spurge. <laughs> the Spurge. Well, that's the only name of this movie that you kind of remember because his name kind of sounds like Sturgeon, so they call him Fish the whole time. <laughs> Come on, movie. But this is this is one of the only space exploration like astronaut like leaving Cape Canaveral movie, whatever. That just completely skips over the launch. Like the launch is there. It it's featured for two seconds, and then they're just in space. No, that, that's that's indicative of a lot of things in this movie because there are very few special effects shots where there mm -hmm. could be a lot of special effects shots. Sure, sure. We were talking about like just comparing the landing on the rock, right? The landing or on the asteroid itself was kind of exciting in Armageddon, and it was it was atmospheric, and there was danger, and there was wind, and they had to navigate down onto the asteroid. It was like landing on Cape Cod. They just yeah. like kind of landed like, oh, that was that was easy. Yeah, there's there's no conflict in their landing. Nah. Like Armageddon, it's 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 a little hairy. Like they're like, oh, is this gonna work? Because that's what it would be like to land a craft on an asteroid that's moving through space. Or if it's not, that's what I want to see when I go to see an, a disaster movie. I want to see shit blow up. I want to see excitement and danger and peril. That's like the completely wrong direction that this movie from start to finish uh, goes in is that it's not, it's advertised, right, as a disaster movie. I remember the commercials. All you see are the tidal waves and the spaceships and the explosions and everything else. But all this movie is, when you actually get down to it, is a shitty, poorly written human story. Family dramas. Yeah, set against the backdrop of the world may or may not come to an end. Which starts as, for the first, I wrote it down, 21 uh, minutes of the movie uh, that starts as some John Grisham political thriller. <laughs> 20 minutes of the movie, we're saying that this could potentially be, since we haven't seen other than 10 seconds of The Rock in the beginning, yeah. uh, it could be Pelican Brief 2. It could be anything. <laughs> like, there was nothing. She was just, it's just Taylor only trying to figure out some sort of. It's problems. a huge red herring with James Cromwell yes, yes, because yes. he resigns and she's like trying to f find the scoop and it just. All leads up to this press conference, which happens a half hour into the movie where Morgan Freeman's like, 
All right, everybody, the movie's about to start. Everybody sit down now. Get your popcorn. Everybody settle. <laughs> and there's just no reason to have this divergent path in the movie. No. You know, like she's she's supposed to be this investigative reporter who works for MSNBC. So you're you're getting to know her and she's this hard hitting journalist and fuck you movie. And <laughs> and she's on this like fucking deep throat esque thing where like Morgan Freeman as the president is having an affair, but James Cromwell as the Secretary of State is taking the rap for it. And it's a big fucking cover up and she you know, there's a houseboat involved. Yeah, it's Morgan Freeman or uh, James Cromwell's living on a fucking houseboat with a dust sitting on a year's supply of Insure. By the way, <laughs> yeah, I Insure had some money in this movie. There's two shots in this movie of just close up of Insure boxes. Insure is what like milk for old baby, people? I or, forget. Or, or, oh, it's it's for old people. Then. It's like a it's like an old people milk supplement vitamin yeah. shake thing. There you go. Thirty years ago, we promised to take care of each other we sure did and today we're taking better care of our health with insure more than a vitamin supplement insure is a delicious drink with all the nutrients adults need to help stay healthy active be energetic interesting little tidbit about that taya leone morgan freeman confrontation scene in that kitchen justin yes uh that kitchen, because it was obviously the only kitchen they could possibly have shot that scene, which is right. All, all kitchens were booked up in right. the entire not, rest not of the country. Not a single kitchen out there. Um, this, this, I guess that scene would be the only the second most famous thing that's happened in that particular kitchen. <laughs> Other than, of course, the assassination of Bobby Kennedy. Good lord! You couldn't movie. find another kitchen. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm not. That's. That's it's just the, insensitive. They scouted it and they were like, well, you know, it's silver. It's a kitchen, you know. <laughs> well, it's clean. It's got a bunch of pots and pans. It'll do. Make a fucking set. Why do you have to go to a hotel kitchen? A, a nation wept at that kitchen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they did it again. <laughs> Mr. President, I'm not interested in using Ellie to further my career. What do you know about Ellie? I know you should have picked a better cover story than a sick wife. See, what'd I tell you? We'd always thought the deadline for going public was the publication of the budget, since we've spent more money than we can hide. There, uh, when, when, the, when the asteroid is split in two and they're like, wow, we're really fucked. They have a really shitty plan B that they announced to the public. That should never be, like... I'm sure the government has this kind of shit like set up already and you know will be enacted if anything like this should ever happen but you don't get on national television and tell everyone in your country that they're digging Taliban-esque caves in the Midwest mm -hmm. where a million of the country's most important citizens are going to be housed. Well, it's 200,000 of the, the country's most important citizens and 800,000 that are going to be chosen by lottery. Yeah. Wow. And, th and thank God six of those were in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds? There's a high turnover ratio for yeah. people in this 800, movie. 800,000 and Elijah Wood's parents. Well, what's... what's What's absolute bullshit about that is Elijah Wood's like, well, the meteor's named after me because I discovered it, so that's why I got the call. Really? No. They're going to fucking waste space in, th in this Midwestern cave dwelling yeah. for you because you saw it through a telescope? I don't think so, movie. No, absolutely not. That's bullshit. The U.S. government is not going to give a shit about this kid or his fucking family. So, but look, there's very, it's a very interesting line because he's like, uh, he's like, Filled with uh, strategists and da 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 and artists and blah. So do you think like actors are going in? Like wh who do you think's going in this? I think Robin Williams is in there for comic <laughs> relief, just as the final testament to the government's inability to judge what people really want. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, oh no, uh, Robin Williams, he, he, he can entertain thousands. He'll entertain the troops. America's funny man, Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, huh? We're still stuck in this cave. It's been how many months? How many years? Right? Remember the genie? Remember Aladdin? I was in that. I'm a son bit bored. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord, yeah, I would commit suicide if I was locked in a cave with Robin Williams. Well, in 1998, it was probably Robin Williams. I'm trying to think of the musical act you'd get, like, what, En Vogue? Er, Aerosmith, probably. Aerosmith, yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, Not in that movie, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they signed up for the other... 800,000 people, and specifically not Aerosmith. <laughs> yeah. to... Specifically not Aerosmith, Bruce Willis, or Michael Bay. <laughs> joined to... Invited to join us in the soft limestone of Missouri. 
To step back for a second, in 1998, definitely not En Vogue, oh, by know. the way. <laughs> I don't know what En Vogue hit. I have a question about this. And this, again, this is kind of going back to this movie, show, not showing you what you want to see. They talk about this like elaborate fucking tunnel system that's going to house a million people. What does that look like? We never see it. No. We just see the, the bus that goes there and the gates. Because it's so much cheaper to just show you that as opposed to like, I would love to know what an underground tunnel fucking system that the American government built looks yeah. like. I would like to see the kitchen in that underground tunnel system. <laughs> it probably looks I would, a lot yeah, like the I fucking what, kitchen. I, I want to see what the, 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 the cafeteria line looks like, you know? All they did was go to a hilly area of California, yep. put a couple of fake doors up on the side of the mountain to make it look like the entrance to this cave system, some barbed wire fence, mm-hmm. and had those buses pull up to it, and there's your scene. It's infuriating. It's like, what? This is a huge... That would be a huge shot to like just look at and like, ooh, look at the, the, the enormity of it. Like that'll, that'll make me emotionally invested, not fucking everybody just weeping about things. Because, well, this movie, though... Is 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 family values and family story and people and to have something like that shoved into it, th- it's got nothing to do with any of that stuff. Yeah, like yeah. any kind of grandiose, cool effect shot, you're not getting it. You barely get it when they're in fucking space dealing with this right. asteroid. Like I think, like this movie, you know, if, if if when it's come when it comes to these kind of pieces where they actually do have something going on with the story, yeah. and there's something visual. This show is going to be. Stargate, the TV show, way before it's going to be Children of Men nine out of ten times. (laughs) Like, it's not going to really think about what it's going to show you. Can we go back to the selection process for a second? Because there. We never see the lottery, do we? No, but we get part of that. They just call 100,000 people at the same second, which is what they say. They're going to call you. We get a second of the selection, a little snippet of what it's like. (laughs) This is my favorite thing. From Elijah Wood, when he gets the call and it's like, uh, hey, is this Elijah Wood? Yeah, you, I guess, are named after the asteroid, so you're coming too. Mm-hmm. When that scene happens, uh, they're with Lily Sobieski, who's like his shitty love interest in the movie, and her parents. Like They're all over watching the, the news broadcast mm-hmm. on, on TV. And he hangs up the phone and goes, wow, we were selected. We're going to go. <laughs> And this poor fucking family is just sitting there like, I wonder if we're going to get a call. Like, what a shitty thing Oh, the to dad do. just pointedly leaves at that point, which is good for him. Well, he sadly gets up and he's like, oh, maybe they're going to call us. I better get home to the phone. Like, yeah. no, you're not getting fucking <laughs> called, pal. Like, it was a one in a million shot. He got a call because he discovered this thing. Have some tact, Elijah Wood. Hey, Chuck. Chuck, where are you going? Our phone, they could be calling. But the thing is, if you're in a room with your family and another family, and someone calls and says, your family's going to live, but this other family's going to die, be like, uh, you know, that's great, Grandma. Okay, well, I'll talk to you tomorrow. No, Wait till they go home, and then be like, oh, Mom, Dad, good news. I pretended that was Grandma earlier. (laughs) It was actually the U.S. government. We're going to live through the apocalypse. No, I would not like to change my long-distance service. (laughs) (laughs) I would totally... I mean, in actual, real, realness, I would totally make that up and not tell anybody. Of course, you have to, because you have a soul, and you're not going to, like, stare somebody right in the eye and be like, you're not going to make it. We are. There's another aspect of this movie that's completely and utterly inaccurate, and it it was driving us all up the wall while we were watching it so morgan freeman comes out and he's basically like well our plan failed and the other plan failed and the fourth plan failed and the fifth plan failed we're digging these tunnels but that's not gonna be for everyone we're all fucked so he gives that address like the we're all fucked address and there's like six months to go still yeah or something like that cut to the next scene and it's tay leone <laughs> and and vanessa redgrave playing her mother Walking across uh, the the fucking DC waiting pool, <laughs> just calm as can be. No one outside is fucking flipping cars over <laughs> and murdering and looting. Like, it's a beautiful day. <laughs> what the fuck? There's, like, there's there's gonna be mass chaos. The president of the United States just got on TV and said the world's gonna end. We actually saw somebody biking in the background, like actually still trying to lose some weight. Oh, the world's gonna end, but I better be in shape for Jesus. Oh yeah, you gotta go out with a good looking corpse. How do you not? I mean, 
how do you fuck something like that up when you're making a movie like this? But that would be an exciting scene. Like, holy shit, we need to get milk from the store because it's the apocalypse. There's a really uh, awesome death in this movie that occurs early on during the first asteroid flub. It's a late 90s uh, small film role by Mr. John Favreau. Oh, yeah. And he's just one of the faceless astronauts. They all have like eight lines apiece. Well, let's go to the astronauts. It's, it's, uh, it's John Favreau, uh, Robert Duvall, Ron Eldard, who's in Super 8 this summer, but in a bunch of other stuff. You've seen him in like Sleepers and uh, ER. Uh, Mary McCormick from some USA show. That was- uh, in Plain Sight. <laughs> uh, and also Private Parts, the Howard Stern movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Blair Underwood, who's in a bunch of stuff. By the way, even just listing the names of the team in Armageddon is more exciting than what you <laughs> oh, just absolutely. did. Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah Steve some- Buscemi. See, I'm excited now. Owen Wilson. Yeah, exactly. Michael Clark Duncan. I mean, like, you are just getting. <sighs> if those two teams played each other in basketball, they'd get fucking smoked. <laughs> When Mary McCormick is the toughest person on your astronaut team, that sucks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not to knock Mary McCormick, but like, where's your fucking Michael Clark Duncans and Bruce Willis's of your astronaut team? <laughs> absolutely. That's a Ben Affleck going on there. He's in good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie also has something that all astronaut-related movies have, which I love watching because they're always really terrible, and they're all the same, and it's the pre-launch barbecue that astronauts have like uh, i don't know Apollo 13 sure. yeah apollo 13 armageddon has it you know they all go out drinking afterwards and stuff but it makes me think like are all astronauts just really good friends like some astronauts have to really hate each other right oh, yeah. like someone theoretically on that team isn't going to the barbecue right <laughs> but they have these in every movie i think that the only rule that you can really put together uh or, or only law that you can extrapolate from those series of movies is that if you were an astronaut from 1995 to 2001, you were definitely just a good old boy. You just had <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. You, you could you could be something else, but you were a good old boy. Well, the the teams always have the same kind of people, right? There's yeah. the the seasoned veteran, yeah. the hot shot, the angry guy, yeah. the dude who's got like a, a pregnant wife. Like, there's always yeah. someone's always fucking pregnant. <laughs> oh yeah, in these oh, astronaut yeah. families <laughs> because the, the guy needs to fucking rub the belly before he goes. And yeah. it's just like I'm gonna see you grow up. No, you're not. These are your orders. Upon first entering Earth's atmosphere, proceed immediately up the exterior of the mothership. Well, that's the thing, because like, your hot shot is Ron Eldard, who's just kind of a nice guy. And he, in this movie, he's just like, he's a very well-mannered guy. He might be a little bit short with uh, Robert Duvall, but not really. Like, there's no blowout scenes or anything like that. There's no, no tension among that crew at all. That's insane. No, the only thing of conflict between these astronauts is at, during the, the bar scene that comes after the barbecue scene. <laughs> and right before the swimming pool scene. Yeah, they're all sitting around having a drink except for Robert Duvall and he just waltzes up to the table and he's so awkwardly like... I woke up this morning and I realized none of you want me here. You don't even really know who I am, which is okay. I walked on the moon, but I didn't belong to you. I belonged to your dad's. Now, if I ask you to ask your daddies what I meant to them, to explain to you what I'm doing here, that's only going to make things worse. So, what do we do? Well, I know you all don't want me here, but I'm here, and I'm the team leader, and fuck you, and this, that, and the other thing. And Ron Eldard is just very politely like, listen, you're kind of just here for PR purposes, it's kind of dangerous that you're such an old man but, going. Yeah. It's like he's very level-headed yeah. about it. Yeah. And yeah. Robert Duvall's like, "Oh yeah, well, fuck you." Like he yeah. gets so fucking indignant with he, it. He, he gets barely. He gets it, it, for this movie. I could ima- I know what you're saying, but it's not. It's just he's just a bit curt with him. But he could yeah. have. He could have been like. I mean. Thinking of his point of view, he could be really, really mean. He'd be yeah. like, oh, no, 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 I understand. For PR purposes, we should totally have a geriatric running this ship. I understand. <laughs> I mean, for public relations, in, you know, once the apocalypse comes, we, we want to look good during the apocalypse. <laughs> so we want to put you, you, you can't walk, you, you're old, your mind is dull. But definitely, definitely, you know, we, sh- we should have you run this. this but he's mission. not, but he's, they're all just kind of kind to each other. And there's a lot of kindness on <laughs> There's ship. so much kindness on that ship. There's nothing I hate more than kind astronauts. <laughs> 
even if you think about like Apollo 13, like Bill Paxton's kind of like a wild asshole oh, a yeah. little bit in that movie. Yeah, and nobody and fucking Kevin Bacon's fucking everybody. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Like these are really like hot shot fucking astronauts. <laughs> like you know, you have Tom Hanks, and he's always the good guy, and that's fine. You need it. You need a good guy in space. Yeah. Or else there's chaos. Like, a, a ship cannot run without a good guy. Just a little, uh, a little uh, sidetrack on good, at kind astronauts. You don't want to go too far the other way, though, because then you get space cowboys, where you're just like, how the fuck are you allowed to be astronauts? Stop fucking around, Donald Sutherland, and just fucking do your job. Because that movie, that, oh, that fucking black hole of a movie that I'm about to get pulled into, <laughs> Space Cowboys, is one of those, like, Clint Eastwood's the only guy that can fucking fly the thing, and then yeah. he's like, but I want my team. It's yeah. like, no, you can't have your fucking team, because they're all like 80 years old. James Garner is not fucking living through an, a, a launch, by the way. That His movie, heart is seizing at 74 feet. Right, like, how are you feeling today, James? Well, it was tough to get up in the morning. Get him in a spaceship. He's fine. <laughs> Look how old and weathered he is. They all would have just fucking died, died before they got out of the atmosphere. <laughs> dead cowboys in space. Dead cowboys in space. That would be a great title. Uh, uh, we, we, I guess we were starting on... Um, John Favreau's hilarious end. Oh yeah! Oh right! Of course. So let me get get this out real quick. They're they're saying like if we don't get off this rock by the time the sun rises on on the on the comet, that it's gonna heat up the the gas and everything inside it, and it's gonna get instant. They say something like three hundred and seventy four degrees hotter. Fine. It's the sun. Yeah, sure. I, yeah, I believe that the sun can heat something that high. Sure, in six uh, seconds. Yeah. <laughs> And so, of course, they don't do it because they, they give themselves 26 minutes to fucking get in and get out. Late for the airport? <laughs> and and so the, the, they're running back to the ship and there's all these, like, gas pockets going off. And he just steps on one and just gets shot off into space. And then the kindness of these astronauts, even, even the fucking cold Russian who nobody knows is like, we have to go back for him. We cannot leave, we cannot leave Comrade Favreau flying through space. Who knows where he's going to wind up? And Robert Duvall's just like, no, we can't go back now. No, but he's more like, shh. <laughs> that, that that's Robert Duvall's reaction. Again, it's not yelling. I would love it to be yelling. I would love fucking Robert Duvall to get into gruff mode, which he never gets in this movie, which pisses me off. We have to go get gas. There's no time for that. Repressurize the cargo bay. He's going to die out there. We can still find him. He has a big. I don't have time to argue with you. Just sit down. Be quiet. Not the fucking locator. Use most of our propellant to get us out of the coma. We can't just leave him. We have to go back. If we go back for Gus, we all die. We can't just leave him in space. There's so much tenderness in this film, I can't handle it. I would, again, much rather see fucking Michael Bay, big dick, guns blazing, fucking get on that asteroid. The asteroid had a personality. I believe it almost spoke in that movie. <laughs> it's just like, they would have a whole scene on Earth, and they'd cut to the asteroid, and it'd be like, meh. Like, it, it would almost have a face on it. That asteroid had, like, dank fucking caves that they were going All in. All these green like, gases going up everywhere, some uh, color. Compared to this fucking, like, Twilight Zone set that they're on, right? Like, this <laughs> 1950s TV set. This low budget pile of shit. Where did the $75 million budget Exactly. Go? What are we dealing with, people? We what is going on? We found ourselves in this in this situation, which is the complete opposite of any movie in this genre or anything they were trying to do. Is every time something, some tense music came up, we weren't like being like, no, no, watch out, watch out, it's gonna happen. We were screaming, no, it can't be that easy. <laughs> it just landed so softly. <laughs> oh, and like every time, like, yo, you're gonna escape in totally amount, a good amount of time. Everyone, just like all the pieces, just fall into place with this mm -hmm. movie, mm -hmm. and it's 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 insulting. So like, I just don't understand what the point of this movie is. I, like. I guess you're really supposed to give a shit about Taylioni not being happy that her dad got remarried, which there's so much time dedicated to this movie. Oh, she's just looking at pictures and being being just a little upset upset about it, but 
kind of still understanding, but then she's like, you got to go back to mom because she's fucking lonely. You know, he's remarried this like 21-year-old broad or whatever, and like she's just not having it. And it's just like, you know, in a movie like this, I don't need that shit. <laughs> you want to do that in Kramer versus Kramer or The Notebook? Like, fucking fine. Because that's the writing on the wall in those movies. I pay the whatever the movie ticket price was back then, $6 to go see fucking Deep Impact. I want Deep Impact. <laughs> Did you, do you think that there's some people that are on the other side of that coin that they heard that it was actually a really nice drama and they're enjoying the tale, the only thing. And they're like, you know what I don't need? I don't need asteroids. These white-collar good old boys not blowing up an asteroid. I came to Deep Impact, and I want deep emotional impact from Taya Leone's performance. But then those people... The answer is yes. Those people would also be disappointed then, no. though, because... All that shit's also just so poorly done and poorly written and poorly acted that they'd be like, wow, this family drama set against the backdrop of the apocalypse was also fucking boring was, and terrible. Well, really exactly. I mean, it's, that's the thing. Is like You have something like Lars von Trier's new movie that he's coming out with, like Melancholia, which looks like a very interesting take on like, oh my God, there's this human drama about the end of the world. Isn't that interesting? And yes, it can be if you have a director that can do stuff and like, good actors and a script and like I don't then I don't I don't want anyone going on an asteroid in melancholia that's fine like you know what I mean like because it's going to be carried by the performances by the choices and all that stuff but with this movie everything is you get like all the woodenness of Armageddon's like actions like non-action scenes and like all the the heavy-handedness of it but you don't get rewarded with those action scenes so what am I sitting in my seat for no exactly and what's really infuriating and I don't remember this happening. I, I saw both of these movies in the theater. I don't remember it happening this way, but I'm sure somewhere in the world this was happening. Deep Impact came out in May of 1998. Armageddon came out in July of 1998. I guarantee you, on prints of Deep Impact around the country, there were trailers for Armageddon <laughs> on it, right? Mm -hmm. So you're sitting there like, okay... Wow, that looks kind of good. That, that's another asteroid movie. I'll keep that in the back of my head. Then you're watching Deep Impact in the theater. I'd be like, I think I'll just come back in a couple months. <laughs> somebody, I guess, somebody in the production team of Deep Impact got a, got a bootleg of Armageddon because it didn't come out, like you said, for a couple months afterwards because I did read that during one of the many uh, Morgan Freeman speeches, which is funny now that I realize because what I read, it was the only words that were in caps but they had to cut it because he says, this is not an Armageddon. And they had to cut the words. It would have been the only impassionate moment of all of his ramblings. Cut. <laughs> yeah, cut that scene. It's just so, yeah. Every scene Morgan Freeman's in is a speech. It's a very long, boring speech. He's just a boring fucking president. And I, I got to tell you this. I have never seen a movie that's got Morgan Freeman, no matter what the size of the role is, whether he's a main character or just in it for two seconds or whatever, where I'm like, man, Morgan Freeman's just boring the piss out of me right now. But that's this movie. That's the movie in Morgan Freeman's filmography that you can look to to be like, has he ever just bored the pants out of a scene? It's this. He fucking does nothing. It's not even any of the same kind of like like flair that Morgan Freeman has in his when role. he gets angry it's kind of fun to watch it's just a blank wall of nothing no emotion well that's the problem is because we're always we I mean the, the movie keeps us so far removed from Morgan Freeman because all we're doing is dealing with again Taylioni working in the newsroom still trying to get these stories out to who the fuck gives a shit because the world is actually ending if I'm a CNN anchor or whatever and they're like hey the apocalypse is in five days I'm not coming to work. Yeah, I can't, I can't, but that's, but there's so, you know, like, like they actually draw straws at one point about who's going to stay on the air. Like nobody really right, cares, right. but it's, it, it is showing that like just Americans will be diligent in their tasks even to the end. Right. But the fact is, is that she's doing all of this work and putting her life in so much peril to keep on the air. If there's an apocalypse coming and there's 10 hours late and I flip on the TV, if the first you know, words out of the newscaster mouth, their mouth is, there's food here, there's food here, then I'm not listening to that news broadcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it doesn't give 
any respect to the populace. Yeah. It really creates a world that has that is an absolute. There is no like we talk about that person on the bicycle. <laughs> That's how they're not thinking. Yeah. Oh, we'll just have this small cast of characters represent all the Hollywood things that people would do, yeah. but not actually mention or even there's somebody, there's a big highway scene where there's lots of traffic. Somebody's got a kiddie pool on the top of their car. <laughs> they did not think how actual this actual moment would affect actual people. And the extras, the extras could have come off a beach. They could have come <laughs> off of their offices. They're on, they're, they're on their, not cell phones, but they're on their, they're just going about their normal business. Some of them are a little bit stressed. Like you see a guy I kind of like angrily getting a cab quicker than he normally would. But it just but looks like a traffic jam scene from a movie that's about a popular summer vacation town. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's like fucking beach balls and lawn chairs <laughs> yeah. and kiddie pools. Like people are just packing to go to the beach. If, They're not running from a tidal wave. There was a lot of coolers on top yeah, of cars. Yeah. If people started popping out of like uh, sunroofs, like like hee haw style, like, hey Jim, you know what I heard about the new asteroid? I wouldn't have been surprised <laughs> like where is the sense of urgency these people aren't fighting with each other no one's fucking killing another person over no one water. raises their voice in this fucking movie ever and the world is ending i'm like ha! the world is ending someone needs to do that i talked to civil defense they said if you and i got married we'd be family and i could get you in well what about my parents they're not your family i don't want to go without my parents you don't have to I'm the famous Leo Biederman, and I haven't used my fame for anything, but I got them to let your family go, too. You, this is your only chance to survive. Elijah Wood, this is, again, like, you're, you get the family drama so wrong. So Elijah Wood finally, like, him and his family, he gets weirdly married to Lily Sobieski. They, it's like a weird thing. It's like, oh, I'll get married, and... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get married, so you'll be my wife, so you'll definitely be able to go with us. And I'm famous enough. I'm the guy that discovered the asteroid. I'll get your family going. So that happens. They get It's a weird ma marriage scene, and then like the government comes to pick them up. It's a montage scene of, between the marriage oh, yes. and Tay Leone's mother committing suicide. Because yeah, those two things are just crammed together. Nessa Redgrave takes the easy way out, doesn't <laughs> oh, she? Yeah. <laughs> Who in this room, just real quick, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I sidetracked you, Steven, I apologize, but real quick, there's five months left of this planet's existence, possibly. Anyone in this room going to off themselves? It's a bit of a coin flip. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you. Because I'd see you killing yourself, Oh, oh, oh definitely. Just... I, I, that's, that's my move in most horror movies. Like, once it starts to get a little hopeless, <laughs> I'm kind of... I'm kind of... I'm checking out, you know? You're there for like, wow, that guy got horribly killed. But then like by the time the fourth person's gone, you're like, eh, this, this is looking way. a little grim. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, man, the power's out. Oh, Steve's like, oh, that's terrible. And the light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, no, I would definitely kill myself before. I don't want to give that asteroid the fucking satisfaction. <laughs> Justin. Well, yes. in this, if the world's going to end a la what happens in this movie, what I would have probably done is got out of my car and walked the half a mile to the short mountain that they found refuge on. <laughs> he only goes up about a half a mile worth, worth a mountain, and then he's looking down like the end of that the last shitty Indiana Jones movie, <laughs> and the water goes by, and he's like, yeah. oh, I don't know why nobody walked up this short mountain. So I probably would walk up a mountain and then probably kill myself. <laughs> I'd probably wait right till the last second. Like, I want definitive proof that those yeah, astronauts yeah. really beefed on this mission. Well, yeah, she checks out way early. It's like it's like six months before the apocalypse, and she's like, pills. <laughs> it's like, come on, you at pussy. The very, at the very least, if that's the case, I'm going to have a debauched five months. Oh, yeah. Like, right? really, I'm eating everything. There, now we're talking about mayonnaise all over the place. <laughs> yeah. There's, There's, like, a lot of... Uh, a lot of beer cans all over the apartment that I'm just not going to pick no, up. No, why would you bother? 
All right. So anyway, the the marriage scene. Excuse. So, so, so no. So they get married, uh, and the government comes to pick them up, and they're like, "You guys can go. You, Lily CBS, can go." Because now we just checked your marriage certificate, and now there's more room. All of a sudden, yeah, who's printing out that marriage certificate for them? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. well, what's great is thirty one. She shows the the marriage certificate, right? Which is just a piece of paper with like a little golden seal that's like married or whatever. And the soldier looks at the thing and then looks at her as if it's a photo ID. <laughs> <laughs> Way to fuck that up, extra. But spoiler alert: the the other family doesn't get in, and it turns into this big like, oh my god! Yeah, we have to get on the bus. We can't get on the bus, and they they all get on the bus. The, the Elijah Wood Biedermans get on the bus, right? And Lily Sobieski stays behind. They go all the way to the fucking mountain where everyone's going to be saved. Which is called the Ark Project, which is really shitty. And they show like all these elephants and badgers being yeah. loaded. Between that shit and the Morgan Freeman, like God is good, God is great, God is going to save the day. Like, there's a weird fucking religious yeah. overtone to this movie. Like nobody's business. At the end of it, like they're all like they're finally going, and Elijah Wood's like, "I'm not gonna go. I'm gonna go back and save her." And like his parents are like, "We understand." Yeah. What? No, absolutely fucking not. My son is not going back for his high school fucking girlfriend to face imminent death. Like, And it's such bullshit. It's like, well, she's my wife now. It's like, you know what? Yeah. yeah. Was- <laughs> she's your wife on paper dipshit, but you're fucking 16 years yeah. old. Get in the goddamn limestone cave. Yeah. Like, quit shitting <laughs> yeah. around. Six- if that was my father, he would have fucking slapped me upside the head and kicked my ass through that door. Yeah. 16 years of, of, of sparing the rod. I'm grabbing that kid by the fucking hair. <laughs> Come in this fucking cave with me. <laughs> yeah, we're all gonna fucking play Uno. Now get in there. <laughs> What's a real kick in the teeth about Elijah Wood's family, by the way, is that his father is played by Richard Schiff. Uh, uh, the West Wing's Richard <laughs> Schiff, you know? Yeah, yeah. I really like Richard Schiff. <laughs> sure. And he's just got a lot of, like, he's got maybe five shiftless lines in this movie. <laughs> like, he, he, it's not the Richard Schiff we all know and love today. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. just like, well, if you want to get away from this asteroid, I guess we'll get on the bus. Get on the bus. Get on the bus. Like, it's 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 yeah, not yeah, Schiff. Yeah. He's sleeping I, through it. Yeah, which, I mean, I don't know. It, it's 98. He had a career by that point. Yeah. You know, but he, yeah, he's just kind of sleeping through this movie because why the fuck not? Uh, the mother, uh, Lula Sobieski's mother, played by uh, Denise Crosby, the only thing she's ever done besides fucking Star Trek. Yeah, good for her, I guess. Yeah, she's, again, though, but it's just like, it's a recognizable character actor or whatever. Ever, and she's just like, hello, like that, that's really like, it, hello, and then take my baby. Yeah, yeah oh, there's a big old scene. take my baby scene in this. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the 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 tidal wave's gonna come soon or whatever. The asteroid's gonna hit, and Denise Crosby turns to Lily Sobieski, and they're like putting the, the baby backpack on her, like you gotta take the kid now, you gotta take the kid now, get on the motorcycle with Elijah Wood, and it's just like. Lily Sobieski takes a second to be like, why the fuck are you? Oh, wait a second. You're going to kill yourselves? <laughs> and she's she's got a problem with it. And they're yeah. just like, it's a really, again, just lame, ham-fisted fucking family values thing where it's a big old tear fest and then they're, they're just gone. And the dad, what's great is the actor who plays Denise Crosby's husband in this movie just kind of gives her like a, a hug from behind and it's kind of like, yeah, we did okay. <laughs> it's not like any kind of impassioned, like, I love you. These yeah. are our last moments. It's like, yeah, it was all right. I got a question, actually. I'm uh-huh. just thinking about this. Did Vanessa Redgrave's character get a proper burial in this movie with, like, t- three months left t- until other grave diggers left? <laughs> all you know from the flick is yeah. that Taya Leone gets the phone call, then she goes to the morgue and gets like the 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 yeah. left behinds. I don't know what are the valuables. Oh, I get. Yeah, maybe, maybe they're just burning everybody at this point. It's easier, <laughs> right? Well, then because the dad pulls up and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry that I missed the, this this occasion," and she's like, "Whatever, I took care of it," and then walks home in the rain or gets a cab or whatever. That's the last it's heard about because who gives a shit? You know why have any fucking consistency and follow through in your writing? You could go a few steps back. Why is there anybody at the morgue except? bodies <laughs> yeah right like i mean the whole if, the whole country is about to become one big old graveyard right, anyway. like, are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna embalm him or are you to give him any special burial and he's like naked blowing coke like do anything with his dead body i don't want you brought it here why are you out of urns <laughs> you're too late i already took care of everything 
Come, come inside the car. You're getting sick. Please. I want to talk to you. I don't give a shit. Go home and tell it to Chloe. I can't. She left me. How does it feel? I feel like an orphan. Uh, this flick was directed by a woman named Mimi Leader. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, you don't know who she is. Um, with the good competent reason. hands of Mimi Leader. Right. Um, <laughs> aside from 13 episodes of China Beach, good for her, uh, she did... <laughs> Mom, if you're listening. <laughs> Before Deep Impact, she did uh, the George Clooney vehicle, The Peacemaker. It's kind of a stinker. Yeah, it sucks. That's one of those weird. I think it's like one of those like city under siege movies, kind of. Well, it's it, yeah, it's like a, like pro- a nuclear weapon or something. But it's like a yeah, proto Middle nuclear. Eastern kind of thing. Before, like back yeah. when we were able to make movies about Middle Eastern people and not have any political subtext there. Yeah, totally. Um, and then after this movie, um, the last kind of bigish movie she's directed, she's gone on to do a lot of television. Um, but she directed a film in 2000 by the name of Pay It Forward. Ooh. Another one of those shitty fucking values movies. Oh, God. Pay It Forward. You know, that movie, it's got a really hilarious payoff, you know, like when he just gets fucking stabbed to death at school. <laughs> but for the, for the most part, that's just another useless fucking love everybody and be boring as cardboard throughout the entire movie. Who was caught in a fire in that one? Was it Kevin, was it Kevin Spacey? Spacey's got a horrifically scarred chest. Because yeah, he's got like a shitty stepdad or some nonsense. I never understand people that like have like horrifically scarred chest. Why like there's always that sensual like having sex scene where they take yeah. the shirt off. Keep the shirt on. I remember, I remember that from paying forward that he was like, you'll never love me until you can accept my horribly scarred chest. I will court for a while. <laughs> or, like, you could ease into, like, let her love you first. <laughs> yeah, and then she will accept your horribly scarred chest. But he knew her for a while. He'd be like, no, no, I mean, you could love me and stuff. But when you see my horribly scarred chest, you're totally going to hate me. <laughs> but then when they have that scene, though, like, Helen Hunt's fucking but rubbing his scars uh, and shit. Yeah, it's, and he just, like, he takes that chest off and he just looks like fucking Freddy Krueger yeah. underneath <laughs> it. And, 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 like, in movie logic, it's like, actually, every other chest I've ever seen is horribly scarred. But <laughs> yeah, yours, exactly. yours is more beautiful than the regular chest. <laughs> Not for, if there is ever a need for a sex shirt, it's fucking Kevin Spacey. <laughs> You're just wearing a shirt while you have sex. Like maybe you shower without your shirt on. That's your business. But you don't have to bring your significant other into your scarred world. Here's a question I have um, for 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 the room. What was this country thinking? <laughs> <laughs> This was the eighth highest grossing movie in the year 1998, bringing in a total domestic gross of $140,464,664. Fuck you, America. And that's fucking Bill Clinton money, back when money used to mean something. You know yeah, what totally. I mean? Like, and that, that's six bucks a pop. Absolutely. Like, what? 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 What was the attraction? Like, what? Didn't the word spread, like, don't go see this, the fucking comet is in the last five minutes and no one cares? Like, why didn't the word spread like wildfire? Why did people like this movie? I don't get it. I don't think there's anything to like in the actual substance of it, but we had talked briefly, like, there is a political climate in America right now. That, you know, whatever happens in this movie is subsequent, right? But but Hollywood is just kind of pushing these disaster flicks, right? You have... You have You're talking about in the 90s. Yeah, in, in the, the 90s, 90s. In the yeah. late 90s, right? So you have Dante's Inferno, Volcano, anything that blows up. This, Armageddon, these are all gigantic. Even Twister, which is a little bit before this. I, I, I really think there's something to be said about how America at this point, like... We're going to see anything. We don't have a lot of enemies right now. We don't. Have, yeah. We don't have like we we talk. We don't have Middle Easterners, right? We don't have. Well, we a, won that war, right? Like Desert yeah, Storm. Sure, was done sure we're it. riding high. Like we're all on our USO tour right now. Yeah, and we don't really we don't know who to demonize, and so we're just saying, well, nature can fuck stuff up. Like let's <laughs> let's, let's run from nature for a while, and let's and let's totally. Americanize it, right? Like, there's nothing more American than getting on an asteroid and sacrificing yourself as Bruce Willis, which was awesome at the end of Armageddon. But still, like, (laughs) it is. It's like, what does America do? American fights any enemy that comes our way. We got to chase a twister. We'll fucking chase it to learn about it. You know what I'm saying? No matter what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And that's what it is. I mean, the substance, I mean, I think that I didn't see this movie in theaters, but people would just come back and be like, 
Well, there was peril, and that's what that's all we were triumph. really looking for in movies right now was right. a little bit of peril. And Taya Leone. <laughs> <laughs> America's sweetheart. I'll America's 1998 sweetheart. She had like three different NBC sitcoms that just did not work for her. A couple of them worked for me. <laughs> Well, she had what was the the big the one? Naked with, Truth or the Ugly Truth? Naked Truth. That's why I watched it. Yeah, she had the Naked Truth for three seasons. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Um, but that was that was that was like her her big TV show. There wasn't really anything else. Oh, she had in ninety two to ninety three. She did that Flying Blind business. Yeah, it's, it, it was all like just trying to find something to fit right next to Seinfeld that wasn't the single guy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Because, I mean, really, do we need the single guy, everybody? The nation was like, no, we don't. Hey, be a part of history. Join Jonathan Silverman in the world premiere of his brand new show, The Single Guy, right now. Uh, real quick, because we've been really obvious, Armageddon over Deep Impact. Real quick, because I'm curious, because I also, I, I was a big fan of these terrible disaster movies when, mm. I, was, when I was a kid. Uh, Dante's Peak? Or Volcano, because that's another both the fucking the same year release date. No, I think it's got to be Volcano, but they both had the same thing. If I, I maybe I'm remembering them wrong, but they both have the same shot of somebody walking in acid to do something heroic or uh, not acid. Well, I think in Dante's speak it's acid, and in uh, and Volcano it's, it's lava. It's actually lava. lava. The yeah. fat guy jumps off the back of the subway car yeah. with the other guy. <laughs> and I, and I think of the other one, like it's somebody in an acid. It's like the grandmother no, goes into an acid lake, like, or maybe it's yep. just like really boiling water. Maybe yeah, no. Yeah. It, well, there's 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 a really hilarious there's sulfur, there's sulfur there, in there. I'm there's sure. a slasher film kind of death in oh, Dante's yeah. uh, peak, the hot where there's, there's there's a teen oh, couple yeah. just getting it on, and then it, it, it flash boils and kills them. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's the grandmother in that movie who the whole movie she's like, I refuse to leave my home, I die on this mountain, <laughs> and then Linda Linda Hamilton's like, please. Just please be reasonable and leave your cabin. And she's like, "Well, okay." And four minutes later, she fucking dies in an acid lake. The uh, boat starts like sinking or whatever. She falls out and pushes. Yeah, her. yeah. It was a heroic death. Like, get out of here. I've had my day. I would have been I like, I told you, Linda Hamilton. <laughs> I was born here to die, not not day's peak. And goddamn it, I'm gonna die here. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, uh, to cut it, to cut it, bring it back to deep impact and kind of wrap up talking about this flick it does one of the most infuriating uh things at, at its ending it's one of those movies where you have two hours of nothing happening right mm -hmm. five minutes of some last minute conflict and then it's just kind of resolved and that's it they they sacrifice themselves blow up the asteroid the day is saved um not without its casualties <laughs> <laughs> and then it's a fucking another Morgan Freeman boring ass speech for two seconds, and then that's the end of the movie. It's like mid speech. Yeah, there's he he doesn't really finish the speech. There's no like round of applause of victory from the audience. It's just this shitty composite shot of him making a speech in front of a a tattered Capitol building where they're like you know doing repairs on the rotunda and they're scaffolding. Because All this that's damage cool. we did not see happen, and no. he's explaining. He's like. Africa was hit very hard, and Russia was hit as well. Show me these things. Show me what happened to Russia. What happened to Africa? I want to know. <laughs> There's so much of his speeches that don't go anywhere and seem so empty. Yeah, and, yeah. And, that's, and the movies you know. just does what good movies, when really good movies, when they just end, right? Like, of all the movies, the one I always think of is There Will Be Blood, right? It ends, and then you get credits, and the movie is good, and it gave you a lot of stuff, and the movie, I always feel like films are just saying, you know what, sit with that for a second. Mm -hmm. Sit with it. And this movie does the same thing. <laughs> it has, it is just like, we gave it to you. Yeah. Now sit in what you, what you, what now, now think about what this movie meant to mm -hmm. you. It's insulting. <laughs> What can we talk about New York getting fucking destroyed for a second? And yeah, just for specific because there's one hilarious scene to me, and we all caught it at the same time. Like I think it's like Central Park or something. Like it, we're seeing all these like this huge tidal wave is gonna hit New York. I know what you're talking about. It's Washington Square. Park. It's Washington Square Park. Uh, there's some awkward shots of the Twin Towers going down. Yeah. Uh, but it's Washington Square Park. This old man is like fanning out a newspaper, and then like he looks back and he's like, "Oh no, a tidal wave." 
<laughs> and he dies. If this were a shitty spoof movie, he would have opened the newspaper and the headline would have been, Tidal Wave Destroys New York. And he would have said, what? And it would have been right behind <laughs> Not him. on my... <laughs> but not for nothing, New York and everybody else. Everybody knew the apocalypse was coming on this day. Morgan Freeman, two years ago, has been saying... June forty one, June fifteenth. It's gonna be the apocalypse, everybody. So be prepared. Why do you go to the park that day to read your paper? Because there's again, there's no sense of urgency in this movie. No one basically. Here's what happened: the movie starts up. Elijah Wood finds this asteroid. The government finds out about it. Morgan Freeman, as the president, gets on TV. There's a big crisis, and this is what's gonna happen, and this is what we're gonna do to fix it. They tried it. They fucked it up. They made it worse, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Morgan Freeman got back on TV, said, well, we're all out of ideas. We're all going to live underground for a while. <laughs> the world is going to end, sort of. And the the country, America, on the whole, just went, eh. <laughs> yeah. I don't think most of those extras knew that they were in a disaster movie. <laughs> no. I really, truly think that. No one gave a shit. Like, no one. This is a movie that said the apocalypse is going to happen on this day. And everybody went, right. fuck or you. Or they were, like, oh, they, were like, they were like, oh, do you hear about that, that meteor coming? It's going to kill us all. They're like, no, no, no. They just send five able-bodied guys and Robert Duvall and take care of it. <laughs> It'll totally be fine. I'm not going to check the news to see how it went. I'll just believe that it was taken care of. <laughs> That one Spurgeon Tanner's on the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spurgeon always gets his man. There's a hilarious line where uh, Mary McCormick is like kind of accepting her fate, and she's like, "Oh, I guess we'll all have high schools named after us." Uh, <laughs> and I'm sorry, I don't want to go to Spurgeon Tanner High. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh God, the Spurgeon Sturgeons, because you know that that's what the, <laughs> the mascot is gonna oh, be. Yeah. The waters reached as far inland as the Ohio and Tennessee valleys. It washed away farms and towns, forests and skyscrapers. But the water receded. The wave hit Europe and Africa too. Millions were lost. Countless more left homeless. But the waters receded. Cities fall, but they are rebuilt. And heroes die, but they are remembered. We honor them with every brick we lay, with every field we sow, with every child we comfort, and then teach to rejoice in what we have been re-given. Our planet, our home. So now, let us begin. I think a recent event in my life can sum up this movie uh, very succinctly. I was, uh, about a month ago, I was at the gym. And it's one of those gyms, all the gyms now have like, you know, five different TVs on, you know. Well, this gym, you know, if you go on a Saturday morning or whatever... They don't change the channels. It's just all on the same shit. So it's like, you know, Fox, TNT, NBC, whatever, you know, on and on and on. So you go on a Saturday morning, there's just garbage on the televisions. Well, this one particular day, about a month ago, I'm sitting there and I'm looking up and starting at the exact same time is Deep Impact on one channel and literally right next to it in the next TV over is Armageddon. <laughs> they started at the same time. They start off very similarly. You know what? I was paying more attention, if not all of my attention, to Armageddon through my entire run on the treadmill. Like, that, that's it. <laughs> I, I had a choice between two. They were right in front of my eyes, and I did not blink from Armageddon <laughs> the entire time. Let's all just, a little disclaimer to the end of this episode. Nobody in this room's really advocating Armageddon's a good movie, right? Like, no, let's just no, all no. say it out. out Steve loud. and Andrew are not advocating Armageddon's <laughs> movie. I can tell you this much. I. No, it's not. It's yeah. like every other shitty Michael Bay movie in the context of which one did I want to watch more when I was watching Deep Impact. Yeah. I wished we had Armageddon on. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally wished we did. It's because here's the thing about Michael Bay movies. They're dumb as a bucket of rocks, but they're watchable. This movie is not watchable. No. You know, it's it's just not unless you're a fan 
and I'm sure folks um, out there are, of Hallmark Channel, Lifetime movie, family drama, 25 days of Christmas bullshit. Like, <laughs> fine, then this movie is perfectly up your alley mm-hmm. and and enjoy it enjoy it watch it have your heart warmed be a little scared but not, not really not too scared <laughs> and then just you know turn on the 700 club or whatever's fucking on next like that <laughs> fine you can watch it but for everyone else on the planet armageddon is the more watchable movie absolutely it absolutely mm-hmm. is it's a shitty movie yeah but it's a more watchable movie and i think that's that settles the case of fucking <laughs> deep impact v armageddon so i think for consistency's sake we're not going to tell anybody to watch this, right? No. Oh. <laughs> okay, settled. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, go go. turn on Armageddon, turn on Twister, turn on Dante's Peak, turn on Volcano. Dude, if you had like six TVs with all of them going at once, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I think that's how the video drum signal was actually created. <laughs> or that's maybe also how you become a scanner. <laughs> you blow your own fucking head off. So this is going to put a cap on Deep Impact. We have one more episode left in our summer blockbuster series. It's a it's a real doozy. It's the one I'm kind of most excited for. So uh, and it's actually it's got some some uh, some relevance to this month's current movie docket. Ooh, yeah. Um, but until then, if you want to get a hold of us, any information, Twitter, Facebook, email, all that good stuff can be found on whmpodcast.com. Uh, if you're already subscribing to the show, that's awesome. If you're not, hop on iTunes, totally subscribe there, rate and review if you can get a chance. More people have been doing that, more people have been writing in, more people have been talking to us on Twitter and on Facebook. It's all awesome. Keeping the conversation going is exactly what we set out to do, and you guys are doing it. It's totally great. Uh, so thank you for that. So until next time, I'm Andrew Jupin. I'm Justin Case. I'm Stephen Sadak. Take it easy. Have a world.